Hello, welcome to the Loney Show. I'm your host, John A. Loney. And in this episode, I brought some regulars, Asparagus and Eric Taylor. And as for our guest, she's from Chicago, Illinois. She's a healer, hospitalistic medical physician, neuropathic doctor, poet, metaphysician, mindset, and self-growth coach. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Dr. Egypt Iridia. Hello. Hi. And I'd like to say first, that's a very impressive resume you've got there. Very impressive <laughs> resume. Yeah, I'd say yeah. so myself. <laughs> yeah, also a very impressive name. I like it. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it is a bit unusual, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Egypt, how's life? Oh, life is good over here. You know, we're slowly moving into spring, so the harsher climbs are easing up on us. Yeah, it's it's okay. Yeah, oh, yeah I, like I agree. <laughs> yeah, great. So uh, have you been up too much recently? I've just been doing, you know, the same with the work-life balance. I've been doing more collaboration activities. Um, I really do enjoy collaborating with other people of similar vibration and mindset. So I've just been doing a lot of that recently, yeah. Great, great. So what got you wanting to do what you're doing right now? Right. Oh, that's an in-depth question, but I'll try and keep it simple. <laughs> So I did, um, I trained as a conventional medicine practitioner in the UK and just through like a series of my own personal health struggles and working within like the NHS system, I was a little bit disillusioned. I wanted to address health from a more deeper level. So I started to explore more natural ways of healing and that exploration kind of got me to the US where I retrained as a, as a naturopathic physician which is just like a doctor that, you know, our tools involve, you know, herbs, nutrition, lifestyle, energy, mind, body, medicine, that sort of thing. So that's how, like, I kind of retrained with that um, more natural healing aspect. So, like, that's like a very quick <laughs> summary of my journey. Yeah. yeah. So right. I would like to... I wanted to ask you, uh, so how is the British healthcare system different, in your opinion, from the American healthcare system? Yeah, that's an interesting one. I would say I feel the British one is a little bit probably more rigorous in a way. Um, American system is very much uh, on a faster pace. I think things are just like, I mean, I'm talking about the conventional practice, right? Things are just a lot faster here. America is a very, as an overall faster country than I feel than when I lived in the UK. They just seem to be like a different pace. And there's a lot more, I would say, medical interventions here than in the UK. You'd have to be more far gone in your health journey if you like to have access to it. So the UK is a little bit more focused on, you know, let's address, uh, they, they they approach things more tentatively, like, okay, let's give you the medication, do some lifestyle changes, and then we'll look into like the surgery or more interventions down the line. Whereas here is a little bit more hard hitting in general. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> okay, cool. So what, where, where did you learn to be, to do the, the the various professions that you did in the past. Yeah, so um, so I trained as an a medic in the UK. So I went to St George's University of London, and then I moved to Auckland, New Zealand, for a couple of years, where I studied herbal medicine at a naturopathic school there. 
and practiced for a while for about three years. I was in Orkland, New Zealand, and then I moved to Illinois, Chicago. Well, Illinois, Chicago land. It's not really Chicago, but it's close enough. And um, in the suburbs where I trained in naturopathic medicine, and I'm still living now in the suburbs of Illinois. Great. Fabulous. Come on, Eric. So So how are the suburbs? I've never been there. The only time I've been there was went to visit family, but that's about it. How are the suburbs? <clears throat> so it's very, um, it's nice. I like it. There's a lot more green. It's very, it's a stark contrast to Chicago. You know, Chicago is very much, you know, hub. Everything's like loud and bright and fast and the tall buildings, the skyscrapers and what have you. The suburbs are a bit more, well, a lot more quieter um less densely populated it's it's calm and the, you know people think chicago you hear in the news and it's like all this crime and craziness but the suburbs is pretty much boring <laughs> the crime rate <laughs> there's crime everywhere but the crime rate is a much lower it's more family orientated and i like that because as i've grown older i've just gravitated to a more simpler slower way of life so the suburbs suits me for this phase of my life right now mm-hmm. i'm not I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie. I could probably see myself living in the suburbs too because I don't know. I don't do anything. <laughs> like I hardly go out of my house. The only time I really go out of my house to get something to eat and walk my dog. That's about it. I could see myself oh. living in a quiet neighborhood. Yeah, it's yeah. nice, isn't it? Peace and quiet. <laughs> oh yeah. Absolutely. I can't really agree with you because I live in a, in a business district of Amsterdam currently. And I must say, I really enjoy life here. I'm uh, I'm living next to a railway station, and it's pretty nice. It's pretty well developed. You know, the, it's close to the stores. I can just ride on my bike here. I, I just don't know if when I get older, I may emigrate to the countryside. I don't know, like start a, a farm there or something. I don't know, <laughs> like whatever Jeremy Clarkson's doing right now in the UK. But I I, I don't know. I, I I like the urban life right now. Mm. Oh. Oh well, yeah. I don't. I don't mind moving to a nice neighborhood. Neighborhood as long as it's well, it, it, as long as it's quiet and there's barely any crime. I mean, there could be mm-hmm. definitely be stores uh, next to it because it it would be easy. But you know, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's that's basically where I am right now. I live in a, a very quiet suburban neighborhood. Uh, the crime rate, relatively in the north of England, is like the lowest that you've mm-hmm. ever seen. But yeah, it's it's great. Well, the only downside is the neighbors. Given that the, some of them are like antisocial, ever they don't want to talk to you. They're gonna like look down on you, like uh-huh, we're the best, we're better than you, and we got a lot of moolah, la ha ha ha. But yeah, <laughs> it, is, it is what it is. It's like and that. I pretty much live it. Yeah. Has there any? Has there been any like race, racist neighbors or anything like that? Oh no, we didn't have those kind of neighbors. In fact, the neighbors next door are actually from Shanghai in China. All right. Yeah. Right. Uh, That's what I'm talking about. And then the new neighbors next door, well, what the wife, the wife of the new neighbors actually from Asia. I don't know where where exactly. I never asked, but yeah, mm-hmm. uh, our neighborhood is quite kind of diverse. So uh, yeah, it's pretty great. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, what was life for you growing up? Oh, life for me growing up. So it was so basically, I'm like second generation Nigerian that moved to the UK. Um, so growing up, I had that, I, I guess I was a third culture kid, they call it, or I'm not sure, like I had that mixture of influences from like my West African background and also like 
the British influences around me. So I always kind of like didn't, honestly, didn't feel like I fully um, fit in or integrated into either system. When I would go back home for holidays to Nigeria, I would be different, right? Because I didn't really adopt the culture fully as people who'd been there all their life. And when I was in the UK, obviously, I was kind of different as well. But I guess um, inherently, I probably identify more with British culture than my Nigerian culture, just because like where we live, most of my friends, my cultural influences and like movie and film and music was very much, you know, British or American. So I guess I maybe identified more with that culture. But deep inside me, I've always kind of felt a little bit like an outcast. Like I don't really, you know, people ask me where are you from sometimes. And for me, that's just a loaded question because I'm like, do you mean where I was born, where I grew up, where I lived, where I work? You know, <laughs> like it's so... Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel yeah. you. I feel you. Yeah. 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 yeah, I feel you. Yeah, I feel you on the outcast thing. Like, you know, a lot of people said, a lot of people said oh, I sounded white my entire life. It's kind of true. But, oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> I can certainly understand you as well. Yeah, because. I can uh, see that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, because I'm, because I'm black. I'm black. So it's like the people always said I sounded white, probably because I went to a lot of uh, good schools. They were never in my neighborhood. All right. Okay. That's really interesting because I can kind of just, I don't know too much about sort of American intonations, but I, I get a general feel for like the African-American intonation and the general Caucasian intonation. And yeah, from your intonation, I can, I would have probably made that mistake as well. (laughs) I can certainly also understand, you know, your uh, confusion about identity because I am Russian. I was born in Russia. But uh, then in uh, 2010, I believe, uh, I moved uh, from Moscow to Portugal and I stayed there, like I lived there, like currently I study in Amsterdam, but I was educated at a British school there. You know, I met a lot of British people there. So like at home, I I was like, like speaking Russian, but you know, outside, you know, where, you know, I was with all my friends, I was speaking English and it kind of created this double identity within me where I like, I was starting to lose my Russian language, you know, and like just kind of lose that Russian part of myself as I was assimilating into this European culture. But still deep inside, I identify as a Russian, but someone who, you know, grew up in Europe, someone who appreciates, you know, European values, you know, such as Western democracy and all that. So like, it's just... I don't, I don't know, especially in the light of recent events going on in Russia, you know, I always, I find myself confused but between whether I should stay identifying as a Russian or fully identify myself as a European because no one really likes Russians nowadays. Like, if you say you are Russian, the first thing they think of is that you're going to put poison in their tea, so... Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, it, it, uh, it, just, it makes people really suspicious of you, so, like... I don't know. I, I st- I'm still very proud to be Russian, but mm. with everything that's going on right now, like t- talking openly about it, it's um, it's pretty strange. Mm. Yeah, I mean that's basically how my mates like see me. Like, uh, even though I am British, they kind of see me facially in, in a way a bit of a foreigner. I, even though I was born and raised in Manchester in England, I'm also half Brazilian, so I have. My mother's Brazilian, so I, every year, uh, every summer, I go down to Guiana and then back and forth between Brasilia, be, meeting up with family. And then when, every time I go to school or college, people always ask me, where are you from? And I was mm. like, um, I'm from Manchester. And they were like, no, no, where are you from from? Like, <laughs> what, like, what's your ethnicity? 
and I was like, oh right, I, I'm I'm part Brazilian, so yeah. And what another thing people think about me, people think I'm very good at football, even though I'm not. But yeah, it's just a common mis- it's just a common stereotype. Yeah, but yeah, I don't mind it. It's just yeah, it, it's quite I get quite a cultural identity between British and Brazilian. I'm fine with both. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, identity is a problem for me too. Is what what was a problem for me too, and like you know, after a while, I just said, "Look, I'm pretty much an Oreo. I'm black on the outside and what, black on the outside and white on the inside." Like, <laughs> I, I I don't know. Certain things I did was white was white like, yeah, Caucasian like. So it's like, all right, that's because I hung around a, a bunch of Caucasian people, like my entire life. I never. Oh okay. Well, school. Well, in school, like outside of school, was black people. Well, was African-American, black people, like, Spanish people, whatever. And, like, you know, but in school was, like, mainly Caucasians. Mm-hmm. It was pretty good, though. I like it. I like that. Yeah, cool. Because my, my mom wanted the best for me. Yeah, good for her. Mm-hmm. So no, that's great. I mean, I can definitely relate with um what she said there because even with me, certain practices that I've just adopted over my lifestyle, for example, I, I practice yoga, I practice meditation and Buddhism. I'm vegan. So some people see me and, you know, they, and being in the United States, when you're seen the first time as a black person, they identify you as African-American. And in my case, I consider myself more African-British, right? Because that's how I grew up. But people are like, oh, you're vegan and plant-based? Like, that's kind of weird because you're black and you do yoga. And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, that's like a white thing. And I'm like, to me, it's not a white or a black thing. It's just something that my heart gravitates to and I enjoy. I don't, in my head, I don't have white or black thing. I just do what I enjoy and like. Yeah, it's like, it's like you know, but I don't know, like our cultures like these days, they've become in a way, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of people, the, they see these cultures as an other. So like, no, I, I don't really know how to describe it with, with all this anti-immigrant sentiment going on in Europe. Like mm-hmm. a lot of, you know, a, like aspects of Muslim culture, they're seen as barbaric. And, you know, even though like a lot of us, you know, we eat halal meat, you know, for example, I go sometimes to my local uh, kebab store and I eat some, uh, you know, kebab. It's, it's very delicious. So like, I, I don't know, like, I, I feel we really need to, you know, unite, you know, culturally. I think we should really stop with all this idea you know oh you know we're all a bunch of you know just these people are bad we are good our culture is superior it's just that's not really the case we live in a globalized world like we each consume products you know from different countries you can't yes. you can't really say that chinese culture is bad when literally you know most of the cars are made in china you know most of the things are made in china even some of the phones we buy are chinese like xiaomi and you know all those um what were those what are those like other called um other other phones? Android, Android, Samsung. I mean, yeah, most of yeah. the Android phones. Yeah, Xiaomi, yeah, Xiaomi, Huawei, yeah, all those phones. Yeah, they, they are made in China. So like, I, I don't know. All of the actors like we have in our films these days, they are Chinese. So like, we can't really say that you know all these other cultures you know are inferior when you know we live in a globalized world where we all cultures are kind of interconnected. I don't know what I'm saying, but I don't guess I'm just trying to say no, that, you know, you make a good point. We're all connected. You make a good point. Yeah. Yeah. We're all connected. So we need, don't need to, you know, say all each other's cultures are inferior. So sorry. I mean, sorry. I mean, yeah. Like for instance, I know that some black people are vegan too. I've never seen a vegan black person, but I know that we don't, we don't all eat chicken. 
I mean, I, I mean, I, I'm for watermelon. For watermelon. <laughs> I'll be honest. I don't. I don't. I don't care if you say that I eat chicken because I. I actually do eat chicken, but don't ever say I eat watermelon because I hate watermelon. <laughs> I, like, I like grapes. I like yeah. green grapes. Yeah. yeah. I. I like green grapes too. So, what were the high and low points throughout your entire career? Oh, that's an interesting one. So I would say. Um, okay, let's start with the low point. I think for me. A big low point was just when I was trying to transition out of conventional medicine practice, just because for me, what I identified as true deep healing addresses both the mind, body, spirit, soul, and your environment. And I felt that just that conventional model didn't really encompass all that. So I started to explore more mind, body practices, more spiritual practices, you know, herbs and things like that. And I did from my like colleagues and even my immediate family, let's just say I didn't get a lot of support at all. A lot of people thought like I was leaving, you know, a good paying, potentially good paying career that I could climb up a guaranteed success ladder to their eyes. They saw it as a success ladder to go and do something that will, you know, wasn't so evidence-based, wasn't as glamorous, I guess, to the external world. But for me, I had to just follow my heart's calling. So that was very challenging just to like walk your own path and like anything, walking your own path in life and stepping into your own truth without support from people that pretend that you think should be loving and supporting you can be very harsh. It's a harsh reality. And I had to have a lot of courage to, like, despite all that, just kind of, like, do my thing. So that was a low point, I would be honest with you. And the high point, I would say probably it, it's a continuously evolving process. But I think right now where I am in my life, where I've embraced multiple sides of myself, I've embraced the fact that I am just a healer that likes to use money, natural healing tools. I enjoy creativity. I'm also a poet. And just embracing those aspects of myself and not really boxing myself into one thing has been very liberating for me. So where I am currently in my life is a high point, I would say. Okay. Great. Nice. That's great to hear. Thank you. So throughout the time you've been moving back and forth between Nigeria, the UK and US, whereabouts in the world have you enjoyed living in the most? Oh, that's a good one. Um... I would say New Zealand and the UK equally, even though I've lived in the States for almost seven years, I'm still a European at heart. I still love the British culture. I will always love it. I probably will move back in the future. It's just more me, I think. You know, like... um, we have people here from the US and the UK and it's just it's just different. I've experienced both worlds and it's just different. And I just feel like I mean New Zealand culture and the UK culture are kind of similar as well. But I, yeah, I've I've enjoyed those two places the most. Great. And uh, how but, old are you? Oh. I'm forty. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, okay, okay. For a second I'll... <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what happened? Yeah. Oh, I'm forty. Did someone ask? Oh, oh okay. Oh, wow. I'm not going to lie. I thought you were at least 20-something. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> oh, thank you just you. sound young. Yeah, I thought you I thought you were younger too, but I don't know, that's, that's quite a shock to me. <laughs> it doesn't really bother me. Honestly, I, I don't care, you know, about, you know, that information. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> 
Oh what is my going gosh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, good. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I, go I, gotta, I gotta say to you, I also kind of identify with British culture. Like, I, I really like BBC. Like, Top Gear is the thing that yeah. I grew up on. So, oh, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I, I'm I'm sorry. Every time when you guys say BBC, I think of something else. I have a dirty. Of, co- of, of course you do. Of course I, you do. <laughs> I don't know. That's just that, that's just that's just an odd name. <laughs> but but it does mean something. British Broadcasting Corporation. Yeah. It's yes. an acronym. Oh I. Oh no, I know. Yeah, and you know it's much better than whatever kind of news coverage you got there in America. <laughs> Yep. I'm, I'll be honest. I'll be honest. I'm not. I'll be honest. I don't. I don't really watch the news like that, so that doesn't really bother me. Well, There's always a lot you... of things going on down there. Yep. I mean, I, <laughs> I, I might tune into. I might tune in just for the weather, but that's about it. Yeah. 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 The weather's good. Mm. So, what do you what do you enjoy about what you're doing right now? What I enjoy, um. I enjoy helping people help themselves. Let you know if I put it to put it simply, I don't have a very hierarchical paradigm of healing where I feel like, oh, I'm your doctor helping you fix yourself. I just like to provide the tools, the knowledge base, the practices that people can use to like empower themselves to heal their own selves. Because I think we live in this kind of um, modern culture where there's a lot of disempowerment going on. There's a lot of outsourcing of our agencies to organizations, institutions, for people to like, you know, help us sort out our life. So the work I do is very much on the education and and also why the reason why I wanted to do more collaborations. And I've done like so many podcasts this year, it's ridiculous, but it's like, for me, self-knowledge and self-wisdom and education is its primarily so important to make positive shifts in your lives rather than always looking for external forces or sources to fix your life, just empowering yourself with the knowledge and tools and practices to help yourself. And that's, that's what I enjoy, that I'm like just helping people make their lives better because really all I want to do is make my own life better, you know? And that's a very yeah. beautiful, yeah. empowering practice and just being gifted to be in this space that I can help and support people that way. It's, it's a blessing. It really is a blessing and a privilege, I feel. That's, right. that's true. That, that's really true. Also, it's ironic because we have a, we all, we actually have a friend who says education is useless. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I don't know why. Well, who would say that? But you know, I, I, it depends on where they're coming from, like what they can, like what paradigm. I mean, I'll, one thing about me, I have a son. I'm, um, I actually unschool him. I don't know if any of you've heard of that, like unschooling. So he doesn't go to conventional school, but he's home educated, and we don't necessarily just do homeschooling. We do unschooling. So. He's educated, but not in the conventional sense. Because, I mean, having been through the conventional systems of education, I do see a lot of um, areas of challenge or problems within it. So so maybe he meant, like, the conventional education, not, like, education as in learning. I don't know. It depends on where he's coming from. I'm not sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I see where you're coming from. Yeah. Uh, Back to two. I like that. Yeah. Also, like, you know, has any weird things ha- happened to you throughout your career? Like any weird, weird people? Have you ever met? Oh, yeah. 
Of course, it comes with the territory. Oh, I've met all manner of weirdness, of course. Phil, what's the weirdest thing you've ever encountered or weirdest person you've ever encountered? Oh my gosh. Uh, wow, that's, I don't even know if, because I think I'm a pretty weird person as well. So my tolerance for weirdness is pretty high, you know? Um, I don't know. I mean, I did once do so, um, like a residency in a, on a psych ward. So I did meet a lot of people with bizarre hallucinations, you know, like one person thought he was literally Jesus, you know, the manifest um, of Jesus. And he felt like, you know, oh, there was another lady who felt she was like nine months pregnant and she wasn't pregnant at all. You know, she was like, I'm going to deliver my baby. And it was on a psych ward. So you see all manner of crazies. So those are probably like one of the most weirdest things that I've seen. But then I, yeah, I see quite a, I have weird clients and patients and just people in general. To me, it's almost just part of the job. <laughs> I'll be honest with you, there's psych wards that are much worse, like, if you go to Russia, literally, it's an entire psych ward, like, all those people who, like, support Putin's party, like, that's a proper psych ward, those guys need to be, like, put in, like, actual, like, mental asylums, like, put them in Arkham Asylum or something, I don't know, like, like, that part about being Jesus, like, we actually had a case of a guy who claimed mm -hmm. to be Jesus, and he set up, like, a whole settlement on a hill. Oh my gosh. Yeah, was, really? In yeah. Russia? Yes, literally, a guy claimed to be Jesus, like, convinced all of his followers to abandon civilization and, you know, being normal members of society and just just create this sort of cult. It was, mm. it was extremely oh weird. I was, a, I, was about, I was about to say, that sounds exactly like a cult, and then you just yeah. said, create some type of cult, and you just said it. Yeah. Wait, wait, what? You're going to yeah, follow I'm, a dude who says that he's, that he's Jesus? Yeah, I don't get it either. Yes. Wow. Yeah, Jesus ain't Jesus ain't even here. He's not here. Well, he's not down. Yeah. Well, he's not down. Well, he's not down here. He's up there. But you know, like, he's not down here. Up in the sky, in the universe, wherever. Yeah. Orthodox Christians will believe anything these days. I know people believe anything these days. Christians or non-Christians, it's like the wackier the better. Yeah. yeah. Disclaimer for any Christian listening to this. All right, we're just joking around. Please don't go to Twitter and try to cancel us. All right. We know <laughs> how much you love to cancel everyone. <laughs> cancel Classic Spogus with him and his camper culture. <laughs> Always try to uh, laugh. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. I like your name by the way, Sparagus. That's 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 interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I like it too. <laughs> what inspired it? Where did you Yeah. Yeah, well, like uh, asparagus. But then goose, you know, it was just I literally thought the most random thing possible and I was like, hey, you know what, let's do that. Or like but this to me asparagus with goose or aspergers but spelled differently mm. because i actually oh, have asparagus yeah, I'm, not, so. I'm not gonna lie i used to i used to go by an alienist too but then i'll be honest i found myself changing my name every single week and then i just decided to use my regular name was like, <laughs> <laughs> just, yeah. there were just yeah. so many good names i was thinking of i was like damn i can't i can't pick one so i'm just gonna use my real name all yeah, right like something permanent they're gonna, they're gonna know me by yeah, they're gonna use. They're gonna know me by Eric Taylor. That's it. Yes, well, I guess so. So, have, what what do you do in your free time? 
Oh, um, so I love creativity. So like I write a lot of poetry. I also post my um, poetry online. Um, I love nature. So when the weather is good in Illinois, which isn't much, I like to be out in nature, taking walks, hikes, bodies of water. I really like the natural environment. I like reading a lot I, and just like spending time with friends. Um, I'm quite one for deep conversations and conversation in general. I think it's such a beautiful thing to hold space and just share, you know, knowledge, wisdom, learn from like-minded people. So I just like hanging around with friends and conversating quite a lot. I practice yoga. I love that when I can, you know, squeeze it in. So I go for yoga classes and just things like that. Great. Excellent. Mm. Yeah. Shoot, better than me. I stay inside a lot. Yep. I I enjoy I'm I'm a bit of a homebody. I enjoy that like serenity and coziness of the home environment as well. So I do I enjoy being at home because especially like for me I find sometimes the outside world is just so stimulating. There's so much to do and the, there's the noise and the pollution and the traffic. So I try and make a very serene environment in my home to just have that sanity, you know? So I enjoy being at home too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I do enjoy staying at home as well. Just like relaxing, watching a bit of YouTube, and uh, maybe do some exercise once in a while. But that's about it, really. But yeah. Yeah. Mm hmm. Shoot, as long as I have food and entertainment, I'm good. Yeah. Yep. Same <laughs> with me. So, out of all the, out of the professions you've done in the past, which one is your most favorite? Oh, that's an interesting question. Um. Um. I mean, for me, I guess my most favorite, if I was to choose one, would be, well, it's hard to choose one. I would say, ironically, the poetry and also, like, my metaphysics, because I'm very into, like, um, spirituality and metaphysical exploration. Even though I don't consider that so much as a profession, it's just something that I'm deeply interested in, in and I do try and bring it into everything that I do. So like for me, I feel like I'm on this spiritual journey, this path of truth. I'm very much one to like research and explore and look into conspiracy theories and things like that. I love it. I've always loved stuff like that to open my mind, be open to new things. Just I like to know the truth about things. I'm that kind of person. So that's my most favorite thing I could do all day, whether I got paid or not, basically. Great. Fabulous. Yeah, it's interesting. What was the strangest dream you've had? Oh my gosh. I don't even know if I, I had, I've, I've had quite a few strange ones. I don't know if I've had a strangest dream, but I can't remember the fine details of the dream. But for me, it was a lucid dream, you know, about lucid dreaming. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so when you're in the dream and you know you're dreaming and it's just like you're fully conscious, but you're in the dream. So my lucid dreamings have been pretty strange. And once I had, because um, I take a lot of herbs and medicinal mushrooms and I like to do a lot of sacred plant herbalism. So I took a lot of, um, I think it was reishi or sharga, one of them. I believe it was reishi. And I had a very powerful lucid dream, you know, like I could not even tell it was a dream when I woke up. And then later I did the research because I, I was trying, I like to correlate what I did in the daytime to how my dream experiences are because I'm very much in tune with my dreams. And then I researched and found out that I think it's reishi 
taken in high doses can really push you into powerful lucid dream states. And I had taken a lot of reishi that day. So it was the reishi essentially. So yeah, I had a pretty strange dream. Yeah. Well, that is quite strange, I must say. That's quite interesting. Yeah. I think I think I've I think I've had a lucid dream one time too, but I I don't know. I think I also had like sleep paralysis at one point too. It's like it was a while ago. Mm. It was weird. It was weird. I couldn't I couldn't move. I mean, I kind of broke out of it, but it's like I was just so it was just so weird because like my dog was like right next to me and I couldn't move my body at all. Wow. Yeah. I re- I remember I what that. I was dreaming about. Though. Yeah. So I remember having this one lucid dream. Uh, I was in my room. Uh, my sister came in, which is quite ironic because she's currently in Leeds for university. So yeah, I thought, is this even real? And I woke up and realized, oh man, it's just a dream. And that's the only dream that I could I should fully remember because I thought for a second my sister was actually home right now, but she is, but she isn't. She's in Leeds for university, whatever. So, yeah, this is. Yeah, there been there been plenty of times where I was upset that something was a dream. <laughs> like, oh, for, like I would, like I, like I would wake up and be like, "Damn, bro, this is just a dream." I was actually upset. <laughs> sometimes I would even, sometimes, sometimes I would even shed a tear. I'm like, "Damn," because <laughs> it was so good, right? <laughs> yes, it was. Yes, that's how good the dreams were. Oh, yeah, some things are just too good to be true. I know, right? Right. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. And that is all we have for this episode. It was great having you here, Egypt, talking about the things you've done, your professions, traveling across the world. Oh my gosh, that's a lot to take in. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It was great conversating with all of you, Eric, Asparagus, Jamie. Thank you. You're welcome. Anytime. It was a glorious podcast. Yes. Fabulous. Absolutely. Yes. (laughs) And until next time, and until next time, stay tuned for more.